Hey everybody, this is Bevan. Welcome to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times this time to start the show. Today's a solo episode. It's just you and me. Let's snuggle into, I'm literally on my wicker furniture <laughs> on my porch right now. It's too hot to record inside. Um, I hope you imagine that you are also on cozy wicker furniture, grabbing your child, favorite childhood blanket, cozying up. Let us chat. Okay, so I want to say this episode, we're going to talk about Ginger Duggar. We're going to talk about uh, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, specifically Kathy Hilton and her daughter, Paris Hilton, and most importantly, Erica Jane. Um, so I was sober from the Real Housewives for a year and a half. And I want to say sober from them, meaning I wasn't watching anything. I, when I moved up to where I live now, which is on the Olympic Peninsula in Washington State, I live in a little remote village in the middle of the forest. Um, someone uh, who I met through the Glowing Goddess Getaway on the sister session said she imagined me just living in like a little hut in the middle of the forest with nobody around me. It's not true. I have a hundred neighbors, but we are very isolated. Um, I love where I live and I don't have access to TV like I did before. I really moving up here. Part of why I moved up here was to drastically reduce my expenses so that I could continue creating fat kid dance party aerobics, my aerobics class for anyone who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. If you've ever been called too much, too fat, or felt too awkward to dance, mine is the supportive class for you. Um, and so to really throw myself into that, I've reduced as many expenses as I possibly can, including my rent. I pay $400 a month in rent, which was a very sharp decline from my Los Angeles life where my rent was $3,000 a month, if you can even believe it. Um, so not having TV services meant I was like using somebody's like cable login and the Wi-Fi was too choppy for it. And so I just left I decided that was my sign. I also kind of knew that the Real Housewives probably weren't serving my mental health. And I was really focused in 2019 on getting my mental health in order. And I will say, um, and if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know, my mental health is thriving now um, because of you're basically the result of the things you started doing five years ago. So things I started studying five years ago, things I started researching, books I've read, things like that have just snowballed and behaviors I've changed. It's a lot to do, honestly, with my behavior um, and my thought life, how I think about myself and how I think about the things I'm going through. But I also knew that watching women fight about bullshit <laughs> was wearing at my soul. Um, and I found it to be really hard to, it's like, I want a lifestyle edit of the Real Housewives. You know what I mean? I love the stories. I love their personalities. Um, but I really hate the relentless bickering about bullshit. Um, and, and it's across all platforms, all of the franchises. Um, but it, it was just something about like realizing, oh, I think listening to people fight recreationally isn't good for my spirit. And so I want to make choices that align with my spirit. So I switched from watching TV at night um, to watching, to listening to music and just really focused on that. And then I was listening to audiobooks. What's funny is I got into the Grateful Dead, um, using Andy Cohen's curriculum. Andy Cohen created the Real Housewives. Um, and so I got into the Grateful Dead. And then I was also listening to at night, the Mariah Carey autobiography, which was on Andy Cohen's publishing imprint. So he truly still owns my nights, regardless of whether I'm watching Housewives or not. But I got, um, so now the only streaming I have now is one of my best friends, Hulu login, uh, shout out to Spunky. Thank you so much. So that we can watch Sister Wives and talk about it together. Um, but it turns out she also has access to all the Bravo. So I, um, got back into, I just decided, I was like, I can't not watch this season of Beverly Hills, which is my favorite franchise. Um, 
because of what Erica Jane is going through, who is my favorite housewife. Um, it used to be Kim Zolciak Beerman. She is now number two. It's Erica Jane. Erica Jane all the way. She is such an incredible personality. She's a showgirl. Um, she's really professional in terms of show business. Um, I have read her book, which is very good. I recommend getting it on Audible. It's like she's chatting with you in your car. Um, and so... And I used to be an attorney. For those of you who are new here, I was an attorney, practicing attorney for 15 years in New York and New Jersey. I primarily did residential real estate. Uh, so I have a lot of experience with condos and co-ops and things like that. And I left that career behind when my partner at the time wanted to move to California. I grew up in California. I never wanted to return. I was very happy to let that state just kind of fall into the water. Uh, but I followed her out there because she was willing to support my career transition. And I knew that law was eroding my mental health. And I had several chronic health uh, conditions that became apparent while I was practicing law. So, which are now very much under control because of the lifestyle I have um, and feeling more in alignment. So anyway, having a legal background and watching a woman um, go through a big divorce from an attorney who is now embroiled in all this embezzlement stuff. Like here's the tea, if you don't know what's going on with Erica Jane. So Erica Jane um, is, she got on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. She had been married to Tom Girardi for 20 years already when she got cast. Uh, she had been kind of, doing a late in life career transition to trying to be a pop star. I don't even know if it was pop. I don't know what genre she was going for. I definitely a club star, definitely like uh, some element of high drag, even though she's not like a drag queen, she's a woman, right? A uh, woman identified woman born, right? All the things. Uh, but there's definitely drag elements to her performance, but she does sing. Uh, she's incredible. She's such a good, I would watch Erica Jane perform the phone book. I think she's just that good of a performer. So she put a lot of her husband's money into her, her persona. I feel like I saw her on watch what happens live once talking about how it's like $40,000 a month. I mean, at the time when she was married to Tom Girardi, um, Erica Jane, the persona she had in the business cost $40,000. That's an incredible burn rate on something that is a essentially a business you're building. Um, and so, you know, but it was just kind of a fun way that she spent the wealth that she thought she had with her husband. And here's the thing about wealth. So much in this country is, um, it appears like people have money or access to money when in fact, all they have is access to credit, <laughs> right? Like very few people actually own what they think they own. If you took away, just think about right now, if you're a person who has, um, stuff in your life that is financed to take away all that stuff because technically a bank owns it. Um, and what do you really have? Right. Um, I mean, I have this whole education that I still haven't paid off, uh, <laughs> from my law degree. Uh, it's so, uh, I could go on and on about student loan debt and debt in general, but we'll just say nobody's as rich as they appear necessarily. Right. Um, and so I was fascinated to read uh, when I found out that she was going through a divorce, um, what was going on with Tom and his attorney trust account. So here's the real, real tea. I fully believe Erica Jane. I fully believe she did not know what Tom was doing because I'll say there's two big tells that I can tell you that is why I fully believe Erica Jane, other than the fact that I just kind of independently trust her as a human, having consumed a lot of what she's put out there. Um, but number one, attorneys... Uh, have four times the national rate of suicide 
they're not the greatest people in the world. Um, being a good, good at being an attorney, especially a litigator like Tom Girardi, um, being good at that requires personality traits that make you kind of terrible at having relationships that are sustainable or actually sustaining ethics. Um, and I went to law school in an era where they really focused on ethics. I am massively younger than Tom Girardi. I think I'm like 40 something years younger than him. So obviously I went to law school at a different time than him. Um, but I, we didn't go a semester without having an ethics discussion, without talking about attorney trust accounts. So the fact that he's in hot water about his uh, embezzling at least $2 million um, from settlement funds from his attorney trust account is wild. It is such a giant no-no. Um, obviously he's going to get disbarred. Um, obviously I, criminal charges are being discussed. But also he's 81 years old and like his, it's clear from what Erica is saying that his mental um, tenacity, I mean, he's already in a conservatorship now. So I think the courts have ruled he's not in a good mental place. So who knows if he'll actually be brought to justice or if the widows and orphans whose money he embezzled um, actually will see any of that money. Um, so it's wild out there for Erica Jane, right? So she divorces her husband before all of this comes out. Um, if you've ever had a relationship with a lawyer who has their own business, you probably know that they what you know about their business is entirely what they tell you. You don't have any idea what's going on. Um, there's, I think there's really truly no way to know if they are embezzling funds unless they've actually said something to you. And of course, there is a lawsuit against that names Erica as a co-defendant, um, potentially accusing her divorce from Tom as being a sham, um, which like they're talking about on the show right now. Um, that's, I think there's been 10 episodes. Uh, and, uh, anyway, I'm just fascinated by like how, you know, we're, we're hearing more about this from Erica, what she's divulging. And I'm also here's, so the first reason I think I believe her is just that like attorneys don't necessarily tell their spouses much about what's going on at work. Um, and two, like somebody who's an attorney who's embezzling funds is probably under so much shame and guilt and uh, bullshit that they're not going to go and tell their wife. You know what I mean? Especially if she's used to a specific type of two jets lifestyle. They have two private planes. Um, anyway, so she left him in November and, um, and I just have to say I'm really impressed that she did because she just eventually, I mean, what sounds like is she got fed up with all the walls he kept putting up. And also in all the flashbacks that they show her with Tom, I've done a lot of growing, right? In the last few years, um, I've really expanded my understanding of what emotional abuse looks like. Because when you're raised in a chaotic, abusive household or around chaotic, abusive adults, um, and especially like I grew up believing that criticism was love. Criticism is not love. No one receives criticism as love. I grew up with people who believed that being critical meant they loved you or that's how they expressed their love. But that's bullshit. I'll just tell you that. That's not how people receive love. I read tons of relationship books. And if you're critical of people, stop doing it. Uh, people don't want to hear it. If people want your opinion, they'll ask for it. Otherwise, let them be them. Let them unfold for you. Um, so I keep watching these repeats of these scenes with Tom and Erica and just the way he talks to her. Like I didn't notice it at first, like in, in 2015 or 2016, when the first Erica Tom sighting on the show happens, I didn't notice that it was emotionally abusive. Now that I understand more about how you're supposed to talk to people you love, <laughs> 
and like what a, what emotional abuse really is. I'm like, oh my god, so emotionally abusive. Um, and and it's so easy to see now. It's it's wild. And I just was like, oh my god, like it's. I feel like I'm like kind of learning more about what I understand in abusive dynamics just rewatching them. Um, and so it takes a lot of guts to take a lifestyle hit in order to go to the next level of your freedom. Um, but you know, Erica also like in the course of the last few years, she wrote a best-selling book. She's, you know, she's had collaborations with makeup lines. She was on Broadway in a starring role. So she had some money that I think she was packing away so that she could make this pivot away from being supported by Tom Girardi. The one thing that as a legal nerd, I'm very curious about is, um, and if this will be disentangled in any of the lawsuits is whether or not <laughs> the widows and orphans whose money was stolen. Um, and also like, I'm, I'm sure there's other people who uh, were, whose money was embezzled by Tom. Um, I'm curious about if any of them would then thus get an ownership stake in Erica Jane uh, as a creation, because obviously there was a lot of money that went, I mean, that investment has still not paid off based on how much uh, Tom's wealth went into creating what she does now. Um, but I also think it's like too far removed for that to actually be a case. So it's just really funny though. Like when you're being enriched unlawfully by someone else's money through a bad actor, like where does the culpability end? Right. Um, anyway, just as a lawyer, that, those are my thoughts. So in the process of getting into Real Housewives of Beverly Hills this year, uh, or this season, um, we're on season 11, uh, I, have fallen deeply in love with Kathy Hilton. Kathy Hilton is uh, the wife of, I think, Rick Hilton, uh, who is one of the grandsons of uh, the Hilton family, you know, the Hilton heir. Uh, but apparently, according to a documentary I saw by Paris Hilton, they were not direct heirs of it. So it was like the first five kids, and then Rick is like one of the last three kids and didn't inherit money, so they actually had to work. Um, I, I don't know. That's what I learned. But Kathy Hilton is sisters with Kyle, who is Kyle Richards, who is like the, I would say she's the main, the main bitch in Beverly Hills, right? She's the one that started, she's the original, um, cast member or one of the original cast members and has been on every season. And Kyle tends to be the nucleus of that group, that friend group. Um, but Kathy Hilton is fascinating. She is hilarious. Like I did not realize how funny she was until like a few episodes into the season. And I'm like, Oh my God, she's hilarious. She's like a sleeper hit. She always has something to say. Um, and she also, there's, they made this funny point that she speaks in shorthand. Like she doesn't even necessarily speak full sentences. She just alludes to things. And she says part of that is because you can never tell who's listening, which I think is very cautious. Um, but also she's like chill. Like she is a deeply chill personality. Um, I am reading this book right now called Wired That Way, which is a, a book about personality types. And it's actually really a book about relationships more so than about personality types because it's teaching you how to love the unique people in your life. Um, essentially, the book breaks down human personalities into four main types of personality, one of which is, uh, and they're, they're based on Greek um, Greek philosophers who believe that our body chemistry uh, was responsible for our personality. So they're all based on specific body personality. Phlegmatic, meaning you have a lot of phlegm, uh, means that you're really chill. You're really peaceful. You don't have necessarily a lot of strong opinions. Um, uh, maybe some, but like it's a, it's a very easygoing sort of chameleon um, personality type. You sleep a lot. You rest a lot. You prefer to rest, right? 
Um, and that is what I see Kathy Hilton do. Like she sleeps late. Like they constantly make funny jokes about it. Um, she's like eating inappropriate snacks late at night, like chips in bed with Kyle on a girl's trip while drinking a Red Bull. I don't know. She's hilarious. Like she just does these things. And, um, like this is a good example. Kyle says, uh, they're playing two truths and a lie. Kathy says three truths. And like someone was like, I think Garcelle said, I, I'm pretty sure all of those three things are true. And and Kyle said, yeah, all three things are true. And she said it was just like Kathy to not play by any rules and to, to do that, you know, do two truths and a lie incorrectly. Um, and I love that. And I actually really relate to that a lot um, as a person who has lived my whole life thinking I was a different type of personality. Um, there's a type of personality that's a choleric and that's a really powerful, think very Aries, right? Like Aries, powerful, controlling, domineering, um, intense, very task oriented. Um, and I am not. And yet I've always thought that I should be because my mom is that personality, uh, which is really interesting. So because I was raised that way and kind of like taught that being an overachiever perfectionist would keep me safe. I really focused on overachieving and being perfect. And it, it turns out those things don't keep you safe, by the way, in case you were wondering. Um, and as I've kind of settled in, in the last couple of years of my life, I've really had the opportunity to get to know myself again um, and to really understand who I really am and what I really want in the world. And honestly, like, simplicity is really winning out for me. Like I'm, my sub personality is the sanguine, which is like flamboyant and friendly and likes people, um, and not detail oriented. So there's two personalities <laughs> that I have, uh, my main personality, and my sub personality, none of which is detail oriented. Um, and you know what? It's fine. I, I have beat myself up so much in my life for not being like other people. Like, why am I not more task oriented? Why am I not like, I'm an ambitious person. It's so fa fascinating that I am ambitious, but I'm also like, I love the term ambitiously lazy. I like to just, you know, get things done so I can chill. Um, and I like to chill and not a lot of, it's, there are some people who just can't chill. Like they have no chill. Um, and they're the opposite personality <laughs> types from me. Uh, so reading this book, which is totally changing my life, you know, those books that you read, you're like, nothing's going to be the same. It's changed my worldview. That's how I'm feeling about this book. Wired that way. So good. Um, so just like seeing Kathy is like this, I don't give a fuck person who like takes her chill, establishes her chill and like, you know, is kind of around and just hilarious, um, has been delighting me. And so thinking about this, I wanted to like really dig in a little bit more to her daughter, to Paris Hilton, because I had heard that Paris had a documentary. It's called This is Paris. It's on YouTube. It's free. Um, and I mean, free if you don't count the time that you spend watching commercials in order to watch it. Right. You don't have to pay money to watch it, um, but you have to spend your time on commercials. So it is brilliant. It's such a good documentary about Paris Hilton. Um, it's, it kind of follows the process of her coming out about having been traumatized and abused in, um, one of the, you know, those schools that people send their troubled teens to, uh, it turns out they're super abusive. Most of them are. Um, that is something that Paris has come out about. Um, her family didn't know she was clear. She's like, um, she basically told her mom about it, uh, being traumatizing and abusive on the documentary. I was really, uh, I was, I mean, it's like almost a two hour long documentary that she doesn't talk to her mom until the very end. But I mean, her mom just had no idea. They like, you know, Paris is, uh, Paris is an unusual, an, an interesting thing that doesn't surprise me early on, uh, in the documentary, because when she was growing up, she wanted to be Paris and her parents wanted her to be a Hilton. 
And there's a really different thing when you're trying to get your kids to like behave because you care what the family looks like versus getting your kids to figure out how to be themselves uniquely in a world that does not value uniqueness. And the personality type that Paris is, is sanguine. It's flamboyant. It's connecting with people. Um, it's very clear why Paris like pursued fame specifically. Um, she was like 15 years old and like constantly being reined in. Right. And so she was just, you know, busting out. She found they were living in New York city. So she went clubbing. Right. I don't know a lot of people who grew up in New York city who weren't like doing things maybe out of their age range uh, when they were teens. Like honestly, just having lived there for long enough to know enough kids who grew up in, um, in New York city, it's just different than when you grow up in the suburbs or rurally and you have more of a buffer, like actual points of friction between you and, you know, wilding out in nightclubs. Um, and so Kathy and Rick, uh, sent her to a school that like came and kidnapped her in the middle of the night, like super violently kidnapped their child. And so it took them off to like behavior modification and like Paris, always having been so into pets, I'm like, why didn't they just send her to like some peaceful horse camp run by lesbians in the woods or something? Um, and I'm like, I don't even know that that exists, but I'm like, that's what I would want for my kid. Um, but it was, I, I mean, Paris ended up at three of those schools. She ran away from a couple of them. And then the third one was just impossible to run away from. So she like didn't get to leave till she was 18. She was there for 11 months. The trauma and abuse that she details is really intense. Um, and she's, she's ended up in five abusive relationships in her life. And this all comes out in the documentary uh, because of the trauma she experienced there. Um, and a lot of other folks uh, that she knew from her school, like got together and, and confirmed also that they've had significant trauma from that. So part of like what Paris is showing on this documentary is her work to connect with these other people, sort of corroborate the story. And really like a lot of folks who have trauma histories, and I'm sure many of you are listening right now, um, a lot of what we do um, is sort of push away the memories and push away the feelings and don't talk about it um, and kind of bury it to try to get away from it. And I'll say this is something I've learned uh, the hard way is that when you bury things, then you just pay it, pay it, you pay for it anyway with interest. So you end up paying more, kind of like my student loans. Um, so it's, much better if you can learn these skills growing up. Most of us don't um, how to process our feelings and our emotions and our, our trauma. But part of trauma healing, if you read The Body Keeps the Score, my favorite book about trauma, um, is group situations where you're talking about it and really owning your story. Um, and so I think just even the process of making the documentary was very healing for Paris. Um, but I just found it really fascinating just like seeing, like reading this personality book and like seeing it play out firsthand, like how when you really deny your child their authentic personality, you're just setting them up for more trauma and abuse. Um, and what I thought was super interesting, I was like dying to know how Kathy was going to like respond, like having watched her on The Housewives, I'm like, how is she going to respond to this? Um, she actually, she reminds me a lot, both of myself in terms of her chill, but also of my grandmother who lived in Beverly Hills and was a real estate agent, very concerned with image, very concerned with image. Um, and I see the way my grandmother's image consciousness and obsession with image really prevented her from having true intimacy with other people. She did not have a ton of like actual friends when she passed away. Uh, mostly because she just didn't let people in. Um, and part of what my grandmother did as a trauma response was self-deception. She would just 
deceive herself about what happened. It was like almost like she told lies to herself about what happened so she wouldn't have to feel it. Um, and that was something that I noticed when I was unpacking my experience with abuse. Like I was like, what, how was I complicit in this? Cause I always want to, you know, own, um, my part so that I can change it. Right. We can change ourselves far more than, um, most other people can. Um, we can't change other people. We can change ourselves. Right. So that's really the the thing. So I was, I've really worked on how can I deal with my own self-deception what I've come to is committed to journaling and forever having therapy. Because honestly, having a therapist to help me when I have these realizations of big things that happen in my life. We had a whole session about Kathy Hilton, by the way. Uh, but like talking through this has been so helpful for me to just integrate. Um, and it makes me less afraid of digging into the past, uh, which I think is super beautiful and wonderful. Um, so those are my, and so I was curious how Kathy was going to react to Paris telling her the truth of what happened. And um, then Kathy just like said, she didn't know what to say. And um, she said, if we had known, we would have been there in an instant. Um, and then she just like, there was some silence. It was really beautiful uh, filmmaking, actually. Uh, There's like this long silence. And then she just gets up and hugs Paris. And like, that's, and, and it was like, I, I was crying uh, because it was just so genuine. Um, and I like, I'm actually kind of curious if being in Paris's documentary at that level was what made Kathy Hilton want to be on the housewives with Kyle, you know, her sister, she had never, I mean, this is a season 11 and here comes Kathy Hilton. Right. So anyway, I just thought it was fascinating. I feel like I've learned so much. I'm curious if you're watching the show, what are your thoughts? Send me a voice. You can send a voice memo to me through anchor.fm slash Bevan. Um, and, or you could just email me fact at dance at gmail.com. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts too. I'm just like spinning in this season of Beverly Hills. I'm so excited. There's more episodes to come, but I want to talk about Ginger Duggar too, because I have been really, okay. So I love the Duggars. I'm like, I've been watching the Duggars for years and years. I am like very Duggar literate. If anybody ever needs a Duggar expert to go on their show, I'm your girl. I know it all. Um, I, if you haven't heard, Josh Duggar is in hot water once more for pervy, disgusting things. He is, uh, right now on federal charges for child, uh, pornography possession. Um, and he's, a uh, father of seven children. Um, and it's wild and their show has been canceled. Counting on is officially canceled, but Ginger Duggar came out and had a really fascinating, um, podcast episode. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes of this. Um, she's on the dinner party podcast with, uh, this guy named Jeremy fall. Um, not to be confused with Jeremy Volo, uh, gingers, ginger Volo's, uh, husband. So she actually uses Volo. Um, anyway, it is great. It's really interesting to hear from her perspective, what it was like growing up Duggar and growing up like, you know, famous for a reality show in a small town in Arkansas, which is different. Um, and growing up amongst siblings, most of whom have not uh, been as worldly as Ginger. Ginger now lives in Los Angeles. She got married four years ago, which means she's only been out of the house for four years because they don't leave the house until they get married. Um, and uh, before that, she was in Laredo, Texas. So she has had the most experience, I think, being really truly away from the family. Um, and I am fascinated to see, uh, I'm really passionate about folks leaving really controlling environments um, and exploring the world around them. That was to me like one of the biggest, I didn't grow up in a super controlling environment, not, not Duggar-ish, but like I, I definitely was very, very sheltered and I had a lot of things just kind of revealed to me that opened me up in a way I never expected. So 
it's really cool to hear Ginger's, um, her own perspective. Um, and also it's interesting too, cause there was a free ginger movement. Um, not, I mean, different than free Britney, but free Britney, I think really has obviously shown some great success. Um, ginger Duggar still feels like complicated and not great about, uh, the bloggers who are blogging about her, uh, as specifically, but I am like very interested in how this generation of Duggars, right. The original, it's 20 kids now. Um, it was 19 kids and counting eventually. And then now it's 20. Um, cause they adopted, a, a nephew or something. Um, anyway, I'm curious about those kids and like how they, they grow up and differentiate themselves and cleave from that culture. Um, especially a deep culture of secrecy and silence and abuse shaming. And Josh Duggar has been sent away twice to like reform camp, which, um, is no, it is simply a labor camp. It sounds very similar to the place that Paris Hilton was sent to, uh, where it's just labor camp and it's Bible and that's it. And clearly it didn't heal him because he just continues to make uh, really terrible choices um, that endanger. Um, I mean, not just the livelihood of all of his siblings, right? Because their show keeps getting canceled because of him, but also like, I mean, the, the, if you go online and look for without a crystal ball on YouTube, she has, she went to his hearing and details the charges against him. It's not cute. It's not a joke. Um, and the fact that Jim Bob keeps making excuses for, for Josh Duggar is, um, not just excuses, but really enabling him in many ways. I, does it make him cl- complicit? I don't know. Um, but probably, and I'm excited to see these kids like as adults separated from, the main sort of Duggar situation, if that makes sense. I'll just say I'm delighted that some of the Duggars are still using social media to share about their lives and kind of taking control over uh, their narrative. Jessa Duggar, who I've always called, or Jessa Duggar Seawald, I should say, who I've always called the Kim Kardashian of the Duggars, um, has her own YouTube channel, which is monetized. And she just uh, had her fourth baby and she did the whole birth story on her YouTube and she's getting all those coins. It doesn't have to go through TLC and her dad. Cause apparently um, what I've learned is that Jim Bob Duggar is the one that gets all the checks and then maybe distributes them to the kids. But I've heard that sometimes they don't see any dollars, but they are all in front of the camera. That's just what I've heard. I don't want to repeat rumors uh, that much, but I just like, grateful that the Duggars get a chance to kind of do things themselves and own their narrative. I'm very excited to see what is possible for the liberated Duggars um, post TLC show. Um, I also want to confess, I am re-recording this last segment of this podcast. I never do this. It's like my, um, my philosophy of the podcast is start before you're ready and you don't have to, um, don't go back and re-record it, even though you think you can do it better. However, I did, I, I changed my mind on this one only because I was getting really concerned with timing, uh, and not taking too much time on my podcast for that episode or for this episode. But I kept thinking, I just kept feeling like, no, I wanted to do a better ending because what I want to do is I want a vision for these women. I only pay attention to people's lives when I actually care about their lives. This is, I'm so curated about what inputs I put in. If you listen to this podcast at all, you know, I'm like, I read a lot. I, you know, watch Ted talks. I'm really intentional about what I put in my brain. And so if I take the time to like recreationally be following someone's life on either social media, YouTube, or uh, watching their reality show, right. I actually care about them. And so I want a vision cast. So my vision for the Duggars uh, specifically is that each and every one of them finds their own liberation. Is that likely? 
probably not. But I think some of them at least have a shot of finding life outside of a very curated religious context. Um, I think something that's really uh, to people's detriment is growing up in a very sheltered environment where they're not exposed to different ways of being. Um, every human is a different human. I think there is never a repeat in all of time and space. And so to give um, kids, especially in like the Duggar environment where they have this like super patriarchal, like control-based environment um, where God's love is so present. I love the way they talk about God's love, but I think they really miss the mark when they put so many conditions on God's love. Cause I don't think God's love is conditional at all. So my vision and hope for each and every Duggar child, um, but especially Ginger Duggar, cause um, I feel like she's specifically beloved um, is just that they find their truth and they find their freedom and they find, they maintain a love of God, but in an expansive and empowering way. Not some like patriarch in the sky who's mad at you for masturbating, but like a loving God who wants you to thrive and flourish in all of the ways that you possibly can and to really find heaven on earth, which is, I think, I don't think there isn't a heaven that you go to when you die. I actually do believe in heaven, but I also believe in heaven on earth. I believe that vibration of heaven can be found here if we choose to uh, really align with God and connect and like connect to our truth because my heaven on earth, Bevan's heaven on earth is totally going to be different than what Ginger's heaven on earth is. I think we can agree about Dole Whip. I think we both really enjoy it, but I'll just, <laughs> Dole Whip is heaven on earth. Did you know you can find Dole Whip in LA? Like it's just like in some frozen yogurt shops. You can just Google and figure out who has Dole Whip. Dole Whip is a non-dairy delicious pineapple soft serve that is at Disneyland, but is also in frozen yogurt shops throughout the Southern California area. Uh, that was a delight that I found. So that's my hope for each and every Duggar is just that they get free and they figure out who they are and they get to live free and um, flourish and thrive. And I will say this, I also appreciate in the Duggar family culture, they have very entrepreneurial values. They teach their kids to really take charge of their time um, and their money. And I love the ethic of buy used and save the difference. Um, that is something that I believe in just because I think that single use plastic and single use things and fast fashion and all of that is super toxic and terrible for our environment. And so I like to buy things secondhand as much as possible so that I can be more ethical and my money goes to a human rather than going to some big monolith corporation that's relying on slave wages um, and sweatshops and things like that. Uh, for Paris and Kathy Hilton, I just want to thank them uh, for sharing their stories. Um, I've actually, I've watched more since I recorded the original podcast. Um, I watched a beautiful interview with Paris and her uh, now fiance um, about her business um, and her business forecast and things like that. And just like, she is just such a smart businesswoman. And I loved the way um, her boyfriend was interviewing her and talking to her and saying how much he admires what she knows. Um, Paris is brilliant. Um, and I am really grateful for both Paris and Kathy for being willing to share, especially in their documentary or in Paris's documentary about, um, her experience of trauma. I can see that the owning of her narrative and owning her story, um, Paris is really coming more alive and healing. Um, and I just see them both like thriving and healing and just hearing Paris talk about how much she wanted to be a billionaire in her documentary, but then also seeing her with all her stuff and how much that kind of like holds you back, right? Like stuff doesn't heal you. It's actually releasing stuff that heals you. The more you release, the more you heal. I have never felt so uh, whole and complete as I do with 
of considerably less stuff. I got rid of like 85% of my stuff to move up where I live now. Um, and so I just hope she recognizes how that the thing in life that matters most is relationships and it's not about stuff and it's not about appearances. Um, and I just, I love Kathy Hilton so much. I think she's so good at just being in the moment. Um, and she's so good at just owning who she is and not caring if she doesn't understand who hunky dory is or whatever. Right. Like she's so go with the flow in that way. And I'm excited to see her just in this new season of life and, um, and see her in Paris, just have a stronger and stronger relationship. Um, I really, I just love that family. I think they're so, um, there's so much to watch, uh, people who are really concerned with appearances start to release that. I don't know that that'll ever be gone for them. Um, my grandmother certainly never lost her, um, her desire for appearances, but she was really tied up in appearances. She was in Beverly Hills and it's just, I, I see a lot of her in Kathy Hilton too, which to me is like the greatest compliment I can give. Um, but also like I saw how much her appearance uh, focus really held her back, my grandmother. Um, and so that's why I really, I, I want to do what she did in terms of being glamorous and loving herself, but also um, being more true to myself. And I want to see that too for Kathy Hilton um, and Paris and just hope that they have really fulfilling relationships for the rest of their lives. Um, and I wanted to also vision cast for um, For Erica Jane, sorry for the hiccup on my recording. Erica Jane, I just want her to know that the comeback is always greater than the setback. She was at the height of her career when all of this went down, right? When the pandemic hit, she was starring on Broadway as Roxy Hart in Chicago. Um, and in the pandemic, everything was revealed, right? Like for so many of us. So like you get stripped down to your very essence. You're walking around alone in a mansion in a really fucked up power dynamic marriage, right? And I love that she's been open about um, connecting with the psychiatrist and getting on meds because sometimes you need that and there's no shame in getting help. Um, and I love that she's, you know, being at least as transparent as she's available to be on the show on housewives of Beverly Hills, uh, just kind of explaining her side of things. Right. I, again, I truly believe Erica Jane, but I just think that when you're at the height of your career and you get knocked down like that, the comeback is greater than the setback. I cannot imagine how great things are going to be for Erica Jane in like a couple of years. Once this stuff goes through, um, and you start, you know, once there's more healing from this, once there's more resolution with what's going on with Tom Girardi, um, I'm also visioning for his malpractice insurance covering uh, the millions of dollars that he uh, embezzled from those widows and orphans. That's what malpractice insurance is for. So I sure hope that he kept those premiums up. Um, and I sure hope that that helps to uh, bring justice. Uh, and I hope that justice comes to this whole situation. But I also really truly see Erica finding love finding real, true, equal love uh, with someone who admires her and connects with her and uh, treats her like the queen she is. I would love, I'm, I'm excited to see Erica Jane just find more heights. I don't know what her next big showbiz dreams are, but gosh, just having read her book um, about growing up in, uh, in and around Atlanta, Georgia, my hometown of choice, I'm not from there. I just love it there. Um, and just reading how much that I mean, because she wrote the book before she was on Broadway. So just like reading about how meaningful that would have been. So I hope she has bigger dreams. I'm excited to see her hit bigger dreams and to earn. Like, it's so funny because when she came in as a housewife, she was just so 
the wealth was just so lavish. We now know that was all a facade of Tom Girardi's, right? Uh, maybe it was real for a while, but it certainly wasn't sustainable. Um, and just that lavish wealth that she came in and she was always so like level-headed about it. It's not like she needed it. She just was living it. Um, but I'm excited to see her have all of her own earned lavish wealth from her beautiful and wonderful showbiz career. Cause she loves being a showgirl. She loves doing that. And I just, you know, I'm excited to see all the heights that Erica Jane is going to hit after this, um, after wading through this, cause the stronger you get, the more, well, the stronger I get, I can only speak from my own experience. The stronger I get, the more satisfaction I experience in my life. And I want that for her. And I see it coming for her and just glad she's in this world and sharing uh, what she can. So thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Uh, if you're listening to this in the future, I'm glad that you <laughs> listened to this episode. I hope it was valuable to you. If my podcast is valuable to you, you can support it through my Patreon page. I'm an artist entirely supported by Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash F-K-D-P, which stands for Fat Kid Dance Party, which is my aerobics class for anyone who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. If you've ever been called too fat, too much, or felt too awkward to dance, mine is the supportive class for you. I hope you'll check it out. Uh, Patreon.com slash F-K-D-P. Uh, membership starts at two bucks a month. You get lots of exclusive access to things just for you. Um, and Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. I hope you'll subscribe and leave an encouraging uh, comment in the encouraging comment place on your podcast app. There are so many apps. There's so many places. Um, anyway, thanks so much for being here and spending some time with me. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day.